Hey folks, another special episode this week. We are joined by a couple of gentlemen who brewed some absolutely fantastic Dune-themed beers. Uh, this is just a recording of the Zoom call, so it doesn't have my usual extraordinary editing flair, but I hope you all enjoy it nonetheless, and uh, we'll be back with regular episodes next week. Thank you. Welcome to Gom Jabber with the Mod Weebs, a Dune ca- podcast both thorough and flippant. We're drinking our way through Frank Herbert's 1965 sci-fi magnum opus, Dune, one chapter at a time, uncovering the deepest of secrets and Dune spiracies along the way. But not tonight. Tonight, we are talking to some very special guests, uh, who I will introduce in just a moment. But I am Josh Stevens, our fearless troubadour, the Gurney Halleck of this podcast, a former LeBuff group on fame, if you could call it that. And uh, I'm here with my co-hosts, Lily Brislin and Alec Boyle. Why don't you start by introducing yourselves? What up, nerds? Dr. Reverend Mother Lillian Banana Helen Moya Brislin here. Converter of the water of life this evening. I shall convert the poisoned waters into the kinky group sex orgy that won't happen. Oh, yeah, I, you know, I didn't think it through before I said it, like most things. <laughs> Alec, please save me. Uh, it's a lot harder to edit out of a Zoom call recording, by the way, oh, so God. that's staying in 100%. I'm Alec Boyle, your Baron Harkonnen podcast organizer, such as it is. Uh, film song composer. You still proud of that? Editor and engineer. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so we're joined by two very special guests, uh, brewers from the great state of Ohio, who both uh, made Dune-themed beers that we're very excited to try tonight. So why don't you guys go ahead and introduce yourselves, starting with Chris. Hi, I'm uh, Chris Davison, head brewer at Wolf's Ridge Brewing Company. We're located in uh, Columbus, Ohio. Uh, until January of this year, we were a brew pub and uh, restaurant in downtown Columbus. And uh, in January, we opened a production facility across town um, where we're now canning beer and kind of producing a little bit more than we could prior. Awesome. Thanks for, thanks for joining us, Chris. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Sean, why don't you uh, introduce yourself? Hey, I'm Sean White. I'm the head brewer and co-founder of Little Fish Brewing Company in Athens, Ohio, and uh, we've been open since 2015. Okay, but both Chris and Sean, if you, given that our characters are taken, what Dune Universe character are you bringing to the podcast tonight? Shit. Are you the bear? Oh, we've got a bear and we've got a gurney. We've got a doctor and mother. Are you a Duncan Idaho? Are you a Stilgar? Are you... Oh my gosh, if one of you is a shout out Mapes, I'm so excited. <laughs> maybe, maybe a Duke Duke Leto? Are you a Duke Duke? A Paul, a Paul Atreides. Uh... Oh, are you a Polly boy? Uh, let me think on that for a minute. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm, <laughs> sure. I'm, feeling, I'm feeling Skit Stilgar here. Oh, yeah. Oh, Desert Daddy, yes. <laughs> John, maybe you're a Jameis. It's okay. You can be resurrected. <laughs> I mean, you know, Gurney's taken. He's pretty cool. Mm. He's the cool guy. You know the other cool guy? You could be a um, Fade. You could be a Fade Rautha. 
like a mean cool guy. He's not that cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's let's hear about that. Why don't you think Fade Roth is cool? <laughs> oh, I mean, where to begin? Um, you know, he was. You know, I I think he's he's got his merits in the book. I think you can see him as like super intelligent and you know probably would have been a better baron than his uncle but um you know i just i wasn't really buying you know like crossing into like movie territory like wasn't really buying sting in the role mm. of like a 17 year old boy <laughs> it's hard to separate uh separate sting from that uh from that character sometimes i can i can see that <laughs> and yeah. for me at least it's always very hard to think of sting as cool <laughs> Yeah, that too. He feels like he's a bit of, uh, of a wet blanket. <laughs> uh, I just always now I can't think about Sting or Patrick without thinking about Patrick Stewart, and I can't think about both of them without thinking about Patrick Stewart asking Sting what kind of band he's in and saying, you know, he tells me to the police. He says, "Oh, you're in a police band." <laughs> <laughs> just cracks oh, me man. up. Yeah, Patrick Stewart had no idea. That's who he great. Was. Is that like a side story? That was something that happened in the movie? Yeah, Patrick yeah, tells this story, story about set. meeting Sting for the first time on the set, and he had no idea who he was. He's like, he knew he was a musician, a musician, but asked like what he played, and he said he played bass, and then Patrick Stewart asked him how he carried around that big thing all the time, what that was like. <laughs> Thinking he was talking about like a, a big bass, like orchestral. Oh. <laughs> he had no idea he was talking about like a bass guitar. And then he asked what kind of band he was in. Oh, so good. It was just the funniest thing. So now I always think about it. Same. So All amazing. Right. Lovingly. I want to um, talk about Doom, but first, yeah. I want to drink some beers. So yeah. these leaves have blessed us with their water. I think that works. This is, yeah, this is the first time, whether they like it or not, uh, we have real sponsors for this podcast, <laughs> gracing us with our podcast all real only, our only liquid assets, okay? Fremtech's Frim, so. going to hear you. They're going to pull their sponsorship. <laughs> we'll be out of sphincter tents. What am I supposed to do when I go to the ERG this summer? Well, and I know since you're recording the podcast, you may be able to put up a clip later. I'm going to just kind of get these all up in Oh, here. God, they're so they're beautiful. So, Y'all, yeah. We want to talk about art. We want to talk about inspiration. We want to talk about flavors. We want to talk about brewing. So let's get into it. Let's let's... break it down one beer at a time. I know Josh had thoughts about what order we should drink in. Let's see if the brewers. Oh, I already started. State them, and then let's see what the brewers say. So you both collaborated on a couple of Dune-themed beers. All right. And I came across this, um, knowing both of you personally from years ago, I saw someone post on a Facebook thread about like their, their walliest beer that they couldn't ever get their hands on. Someone said they were dying to get their hands on Litany Against Fear. And I saw that and I was like, oh, I think we just finished podcasting too. And I was like, there's a Dune beer? So I look it up and I find out that it's you guys. And I'm like, what? So that's when I immediately reached out and was like, this, how, how can it be? Um, and so, yeah, I need to know more about what brought you to create some Dune-inspired beards, first and foremost. I need to know how Lindy Against Fear became a whale for somebody. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Is that awesome? Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean... You're I obviously a huge geek. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably. This immediately became one for Josh, too. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I can't remember exactly, like, where we began. Um, we didn't begin 
planning to make a Dune beer. Um, you know, we, we plan to just collaborate on a beer. And um, I don't know how much time went into the planning process before we actually got together to brew. Sometimes in the industry, these things happen very quickly. More often than not, they take a very long time. Um, sometimes you're talking about it in months. Um, and in one case for us anyway, years later, we produced a beer with a brewer, another brewery just because of scheduling conflicts and whatever else, you know, but um, <clears throat> Sean and I um, were in our basement brewery. That's our downtown brew pub um, making beer. Um, and we had uh, decided to do something that was a little bit out of our realm of comfort. Um, mm. And we've both, you know, been brewing for a while at that point. We've made a lot of different styles. We wanted to do something different, something unique um, and something that we weren't hundred percent sure how it was going to turn out. And so, um, that's where we eventually landed on bringing a Lichtenheiner, which is a traditional German uh, smoked wheat ale that um, may or may not have been sour. And, and historically, most beer was sour, so we decided to make it sour. And for us, that meant it also was barrel aged. Um, so I think it was on, on the brew day, we were kind of just joking around and trying to come up with names. And, um, you know, I think, I don't know if it, if it was me or him, at one point blurted out, um, fear is the mind killer. And then that's where I said litany against fear, but um, kind of because um, it's it's a smoked beer and it's also a sour beer, and those are two things that are they're somewhat polarizing for consumers, mm. and putting them together especially um, is extra kind of confusing or polarizing. It's not a common flavor combination out there, so I think um, you know that's kind of where the name kind of sprung sprung forth. Okay, so this Thanks. one you designed, you, you came up with the beer before the name, mm -hmm. and uh, it, it really came from the theme of the, the fear of the, the flavor combination, huh? The <laughs> yeah. flavor profile. That's so. Uh, why that's don't we all cool. try that now? Why don't we all yeah, try our uh, litany against fear? This is a good spot. I have to say, Chris, you can insert so... the little pop right now if you want to, Boyle. I, okay. Yeah, I, I recorded I a real one. I like, I like beer and I like drinking, as everyone who listens to this podcast knows. No I'm, not a I'm, not, I'm not a connoisseur <laughs> and I saw I knew I did I'm so glad that you said the type of beer because I would have said it wrong and then I saw smoke sour on the label and I had the I had the mental reaction of like it's a what now it's a <laughs> what are we putting together <laughs> but in drinking it it is a true delight which is not a very sophisticated way to talk about it but I do like a sour it's got, it's not, it's not, it's not pierce your cheek sour. You know, some of them are just like, and, and you, you lose all control of your cheek muscles and they suck in and touch each other. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Are you a cartoon Puck character, Lily? Yeah, wait, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, we know, we know what you're talking about. Uh, this is, yeah, bright and refreshing and tart. And that, that it's got a little, unexpected it's got a little, stank on it it's got just a tiny bit of a little funk like a mm -hmm. like a good cheese i don't yeah, know what so the proper bertiums are the smoke lends it a good amount of decent huskiness yeah is that what stank fall. is this is nice i'm terms? glad we're drinking this in fall right like this is i mean for, for you boy for yourself it's 97 here today well that's <laughs> your fault for living in la <laughs> Us in the Midwest. Yeah, I guess um, a little bit about what goes into this this recipe and, and how it's made and whatnot. Um, we we were we were concerned about that combination of, of smoke and sour, and it's something neither of us had done. I I have um, quite 
good experience brewing smoked beer. Um, we brew award-winning smoked lagers, um, and I use quite a bit of smoked malt in those, but um, nevertheless, we weren't quite sure how it was going to, going to react. The different um, unique yeasts and bacteria that we use to make sour beer sometimes create unique flavor combinations and aromatics that you don't always foresee. So um, oh. we weren't as aggressive with the smoked malt as we could have been. People who are familiar with this style um, have actually asked me to do it again, but smokier than it was. <laughs> but um, I think it was like 30 or 40% smoked malt. My smoked lagers are like 100% smoked malt. Um, oh wow! Um, so yeah, it always had a small smoke um, a hint or bite to it, but it wasn't overwhelming. Um, we used beechwood smoked uh, barley, um, which is a little bit more subtle um, than like an oak or a mesquite or a cherry wood smoke, um, which are other types of smoke malt that you can use in a beer. Um, I think there's wheat in the recipe. We used barrels that had formerly um, produced two or three uh, sour beers. We reuse the barrels um, and keep the cultures going typically at Wolf's Ridge. But in this case, this is one of the few times we completely rinse the barrel and we didn't really try to sterilize it, but we try to get out the native culture as best we could. And some of it probably survives into the beer though. And then we actually pitched Sean's um, uh, culture um, and Sean can speak a little bit more towards what goes into that. Um, but then you were talking about that kind of like mustiness or funkiness and and so that funk is uh, coming from Tartanomyces. Yeah, the stank, sorry. Um, <laughs> see, a lot of people in the industry might say funky. Funk, funk, um, yeah. the funk. But yeah, that's uh, the one of the yeasts in this culture is called Tartanomyces, which can kind of produce that kind of musty, earthy, um, some people might say basementy or dusty type of aromatics. Um, and that's so, good, yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Sean, uh, what, what's uh, base, the basic components of your, your yeast culture that we use? Well, um, I, I remember what we used in this and, and our mixed cultures kind of change or have changed a decent amount as we've changed our sort of evolved our brewing knowledge and all that. Um, but what we pitched- Quick question. This, mixed culture is the mix of yeasts? Yeah. So mixed okay. culture would be, um, it, it's, it's definitely, it's a, it's a bit of a melange you will it's gonna be it's gonna be you know everything from like your classic brewer's yeast or different different types of beer yeast plus bacterias plus uh what would be like Britannomyces or like more like wild yeasts um and this one at the time was um the brewer's yeast was like a saison type of yeast that ferments out like very dry um and I think uh, what I'm noticing in this beer now, as it has aged, is it's really drinking more like a mixed culture saison, is what I would call it, but with this added dimension of smoke. Yeah, I was going to mention this. You said it was a, a couple of years in the making, but you actually released this back in what August of, or you bottled in August of 2018. So mm -hmm. yeah. this is has it changed a bunch? Would you say since? It's gone through, um, yeah, Sean and I were talking about this beer last week, and um, since I've had a lot more access to it than him, he had it fresh a few times, and then maybe took a couple bottles home, and then it'd been quite a while before he tasted it again um, last week, but um, just watching it through the brewery that first year, we had quite a few kegs of it, and so I could just go and try it on draft, and so really fresh, the smoke kind of came through nicely, it was very dry, um, wasn't very tart at all, um, and uh, the aroma was maybe a little more fruity. 
And then as it aged, the smoke actually kind of became a little bit more prominent for a while. Um, I kind of liked it. Some of my brewers actually preferred it better fresh. And then as it aged some more, the smoke kind of faded back into the background again. And then you started getting some more of that, um, that stank, that, that funky. <laughs> and, um, it started slowly becoming more, a little bit more complex and uh, evolved. So. I well, think it's about... so delightful. I want to talk about Dune stuff. I like about. Well, let me <laughs> yeah. talk about the beer one more time. Okay. So I, I drink, I, I, I enjoy beer, but I drink a fair bit of wine. And I've been enjoying some of the natural wines, right? And like wild fermented yeast of, and learning about yeast is fascinating. But it's like some of the nice, stanky, cheesy, natural wines. Like it is really crisp and dry and has that kind of chewy, kind of almost like a, a washed rind cheese. You know, what? that's the stank I mean when I say stank. Like washed rind cheese-ness to it. Um, tart of the mouth. It's gorgeous. It's, have, y'all, y'all, have y'all had any of the um, field recordings, wines? Have you seen this uh, winery? Not. super fun stuff it's really idea. similar yeah they do cool things and this this is like this is here's for, here's to our sponsors this is a wine drinker's beer i'm <laughs> really enjoying this i was going to share yeah. this with my partner who's in the other room but um i'm not now because i'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> <laughs> it has a lot of a lot of white wine characteristics other than the smoke i would say right like mm-hmm. that that apple and um that fresh yeah. right yeah. I would say that, uh, you know, like uh, similar to natural wines, um, some of the same sort of um, questions of what makes a good flavor, a bad flavor can be um, like very, very parallel with sour mm. beers. Um, there's, there's some of those nuances where if, if they're balanced, if it's a balanced level of funk, um it can be really nice if it's too much funk it just tastes like really badly executed um just kind of like something that should have been a a, you know a drain pour a blender um you know so we yeah we we deal with some of those same issues with some of those same microorganisms and then you know when you're talking about cheeses um you know there's there's definitely some crossover there and like the actual bacterial or yeast cultures that may be used in those cheeses and wine and beer. I mean, it's, it's all sort of interrelated. Um, and I mean, I don't, to be really honest, I think at least speaking for myself, we don't always, um, we work a little bit more with the, with the magic side of things when it comes to like mixed culture beers and we don't know hundred percent what's in them all the time, even as far as our own cultures go. Um, I love it. So I can't really speak super deep on it, but I, I mean, I know this, the reason why you're getting similar uh, flavor and aroma characteristics throughout those different things is because they're literally being fermented with um, similar microorganisms. So awesome. cool. That is the cool. little makers. Bless the little makers. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's, let's follow Alex lead and go into the, the dune hole. Well, so why don't you tell us a little more about the art? Oh, a, the art is like the artist, first yeah, thing. Yeah, the, art, so the art's incredible. For the, we'll try to put up a picture of the bottle uh, on the social medias, but it's a, it's a, for, for Litany Against Fear, it is a sandworm erupting from the Great Erg, uh, towering over uh, a little figure huddled next to a smoky campfire. Uh, so tell us a little bit about the decisions that went into that and uh, how you went about picking a dune artist and a dune scene. 
Yeah, so we um, we work with a, a media company called Space Junk Media. They're actually right across the alley from our downtown uh, restaurant location. And, oh, cool! Um, it's a really great relationship. Uh, we do a lot of work and trade for them, so they get you know kind of free holiday parties and lunches uh, from our restaurant, and then we in turn get some free label work and uh, other advertising, and and then sometimes we wind up paying for really expensive video work and stuff that we do for the business as well. But they do um, pretty much um, almost all, you know, not 100% at this point since we've been around seven years, but like 90, 95% of our um, graphic um, artwork that we've done for the company, um, you know, more artistic or illustrative artwork is all done by them. And it's various artists, so it's usually kind of whoever's available at the time. But um, so that's what we work with. And um, I usually try to give them um, as clear direction as possible um, it, it, it saves on time and expense, but, uh, mm. um, we usually wind up with like, you know, better, um, better art that way too. And so, um, I think the idea was to get something that was very clearly Dune. Um, you could look at it and immediately tell it was Dune by the, by the worm and just kind of imagining being this figure building a fire to stay warm on a desert night and this worm erupts and, you know, um, reciting the litany against fear to, um, kind of overcome the fear of the worm and, and hopefully survive the night. That's awesome. Although I do want to uh, mention, as Chris, we've talked about before after we, after you did the label, that we were like, hmm, would a would a fremen really have you know access to campfire wood? And, you know, <laughs> That's very true. You know, as we were sitting here, I was just thinking, like, I think Chris, if we ever were to do this. Uh, this beer again, I think we would have to do it with a dung smoke malt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you think? Does that exist? <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's what they would be burning if they were having fires on Arrakis. Yeah, and actually, a point that never gets brought up, right? But like some of the what you process through your still suit, the solids must end up getting pressed into to bricks for fire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I just went down a internet wormhole on thinking about the application of a I wasn't gonna bring that out yet, but I, just, I have been thinking about this fully. Mind, it's only in the last couple chapters that we're reading that I had this dawning realization. It's in my marginalia for our readings that we're for the next recording we're doing. Like, it's this is how intelligent it is. Fremen have fire? Question mark. It's like, where is the fire? Because the only food we've heard described is bits of bird slash bat and desert fruit mushed together like a tonka bar. So maybe they're just air dried. And then coffee, which is maybe, we don't know how it's brewed. No, the only sources of light we've heard about are glow globes. What is coffee, right? Is it like some dandelion root nonsense? Or like, you know, it could be like they're just calling whatever brown water. Maybe that's where the desert remnants go. I think it's just oh. all spice. It's all just different forms of spice. They've, they all probably the have this coffee. burning spice and there's probably the spice that <laughs> coffee spice, yeah. empty up and that's the True, coffee spice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have different names for it. But I don't, oh, uh, actually, and I don't actually, know what other resource and they don't they don't revere it the same way. So it's just a natural resource to them. They have the, sure. the sand trout are a quasi-fungal analog. So maybe if you roast sand trout, you get something you can... Uh, grind up and make you can, into a, you can a beverage. Maybe, are they, are they spice fracking? Like, is there a, is there, <laughs> there's spice gas. We know there's a spice mass. And so do they have a natural gas equivalent? 
that they're using for fire making. Mm. Yeah. Oh, do they just do they just like harvest spice blows? Right. Yeah. Just put a tarp yeah. over the spice blow and <laughs> fill a balloon, and then fascinating <laughs> stuff. Well, so before Probably we dig into the that. second beer, oh, go ahead, go ahead, Chris. I, I was just gonna say um, while we've been talking, like almost immediately after we brewed this beer, I wanted to rebrew it. We were like as the, the stock was dwindling down. It's it's one of the, the favorite beers of my brewing team that we've ever done. We have had really, like, really good reception, especially people in the industry. It's a it's a unique style that very few people brew that people who understand what it is were really excited to see it. And, and it, it wound up being pretty well executed despite um, us you know making our first go at it. So I've been wanting to redo it, but in my head, I keep thinking I want to, what can I do to, to kick it up a notch? And, and my idea has been for two years now is to brew it and age it in uh, mezcal barrels so you gain the spice from the the smokiness from the barrel and so, so since we've been talking i've been thinking thinking of um maybe calling it the quetzats uh Hadarach because that's yes. the, the way and it's like an easy it's like a, a shortcut to make oh. yeah <laughs> oh see that's oh. i love it yeah, so tell me about, tell us about you guys' relationship with Dune. How did you both get into Dune first? What's your favorite mm -hmm. iteration so far? What do you, you know, like most about it? First question. This is our initiate to the Muad'Dweebs. We'll know that you are in or out of the CH. What are your thoughts on the David Lynch movie adaptation? Uh, I, I'm not afraid to be a bit of a heretic. Um, of Dune. And yes, that is, <laughs> I intentionally use that word, but um, I love David Lynch. I, I love David Lynch. That movie You're is in not the good. Shot. Yeah. It's not that good. Welcome. Oh, you don't like it. Uh, yeah, you got to wait till he finishes. <laughs> no, I want to Oh, I thought I knew where that was going. Oh, there be a butt in there. Uh, um, you dangled I mean, the butt, it, Sean. You, it's, they, it was ambitious, but I mean, Oh my God! How much time do you have? I mean, <laughs> like, you know, uh, uh, Sting and uh, it was Kyle McLaughlin trying to play like teens. I'm sorry. Yep, yep, you're right, really that man. For me, um, the dialogue is super, like, really, really cringeworthy at times. That first scene, like, especially like when Paul and Jessica meet the Fremen. It's like hard for me to watch, um, you know. Uh, I, I love David Lynch, you know, and I, I like the uh, eraser head looking uh, guild navigator. That's pretty neat. But um, you know, <laughs> what, what the fuck was up with the uh, the weirding units? Like that didn't yeah. exist in the book. What the fuck? I mean, yeah, I'm gonna stop there because no, all, right, all good, all good points. I mean, I, you make good beer. You have bad taste in movies. We can't all be perfect. <laughs> really Chris, excited for the new one. Chris, would you yeah. like to would you like to share your thoughts? I may or may not kick you out of the CH. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> you, you may have to kick me out. Um, oh, I'm not a fine. fan either. Uh, I will preface it by saying that I saw the sci-fi miniseries before I saw the David Lynch film. And oh. I and I know some of you were recently talking that you either either just started watching that or haven't seen it yet, and so I would argue that that's a much better adaptation. Um, the graphics are better, the dialogue feels more natural, it feels more true to the the book. I think in a lot of ways, 
Um, but coming from that and then maybe just the modern graphics or whatever, like it, it's been harder to go back. And I, I tried to rewatch it the other night. I, I you know, with a, a kid at home, a very young kid is I fall asleep easily. So I don't play it out. <laughs> I fell asleep halfway through, but like, like Sean was saying that the dialogue kind of gets me where the guild navigator at the very end, he, like he kind of mutters like, Oh, and by the way, you didn't see me. You didn't hear me say anything to you. And it just felt like a really unnatural kind of, dialogue to kind of have and there's a lot of stuff like that in the movie so that's you know my my take on it but i think you know again i i'm uh, i'm very i admittedly partial to the the miniseries version and then what about the book have you both read the book oh yeah yeah i've read them all in all of the frank stuff or all of them all of them Oh no, the Frank stuff. I mean, I'm not gonna. No. I don't. Everything I I hear about the not Frank books is like freaky deaky sex land, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm gonna read that. I could be wrong. Well, I I missed what you just last said about. Oh, I heard the I heard the stuff after Frank gets into some freakily freaky deaky sex land, Hmm. uh, which could be great. Well, I mean, it was in there already in uh, in uh, Chapter House. Is that the one with the beef swelling? Beef swelling. The one with the beef swelling. Uh, don't remember that, but I'm pr- I'm pretty sure one of one of those later uh, Frank books has a has a line where it talks about someone's beef swelling. And there's this great <laughs> meme. There's this great meme going around where then somebody else says beef swellington and has like a picture of like a beef wellington and then someone else says beef swellington yui and that's my favorite thing (laughs) (laughs) that's good yeah chris are you a reader as well you're a book fan yeah um i have not um read anything beyond the original though um and i'm kind of surprised i haven't it's just one of those things i actually have a few of the sequels and just have never gotten around to it but i'm kind of inspired to uh, to reread and, and get into the stuff I haven't uh, read yet. So, yeah, we weren't planning to, but now that the movie is delayed by a year, uh, we're gonna I think end up delving into them on the podcast as we get past the first book. Oh so. no, you know more news than me. What? How? I thought it was December. No, it's oh, delayed till at least. So sorry. Yeah, oh. October of 2021 is the current scheduled release date. A whole ass year, Sean. It was like a oh. week ago. It was a week ago they announced it. Well, I just have to, I, I am so excited about this director, though. Um, yeah, I, mean, I love the yeah. stuff. And Blade Runner 2020. I mean, those were some of the best sci-fi movies of, I don't know, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to be, like, superlative, but, like, this last decade. This you know, is a dude really podcast? You can be superlative. You put your superlatives <laughs> out there, Sean. You can say this. Our, our <laughs> second, our, like, fourth tagline is hyperbolic as fuck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, like, so what? Oh, a big, just in science fiction in general, a lot of times you have really cool movies, but they don't hit you like hard on an emotional level. And I thought that both Blade Runner and Arrival did that really well. And that's Arrival like what, was quite good. I agree. That's what it takes for me to get super into something. Um, you know, so yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just really looking forward to it. That and him casting an actor I can actually believe as a teenager. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the existence of Timothy Chalamet is a tremendous boon to any attempts to make a Dune movie. Yeah, and, and yeah. also I think that the 
what he did with the rival and that alien um, bodes well from what we what we might see with the navigators. I'm kind of excited to see what we what we get there. Oh. Absolutely. There's always yeah. that moment, like the movies that you're nervous for them to come out. That's how I feel. Like when the new Blade Runner mm. was coming out, I was like, oh. Mm. Please don't fuck it up. Please don't fuck it up. Please don't fuck it up. Please don't. It was my own litany against fear. I was like, I really, <laughs> really want to like this movie. And then it was fantastic. So I think we're all reciting our litanies against fear. That's how I felt about this before the trailer came out. But after the trailer came out, I have no fear at all. I'm just <laughs> pumped. What you, would you guys think about the, about the trailer? We did a whole episode about how much we, we enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I, I need to rewatch it to to like think a little more deeply. I think I was like at work and someone told me the trailer had dropped, and so I watched it real <laughs> quick on my phone. And, mm. uh, and I, I definitely get, it got me uh, pumped up and excited, but I don't recall if there was any clues towards um, like unique vision or anything like that. But it's it's hitting like all the right notes, and it definitely made me confident it's gonna like look good and and feel right. And you know, I think kind of like Blade Runner. It's it's a film that it's you know the atmosphere is like eighty percent of getting it right and if you can't execute that then nothing else matters so um, I think I think they're they're going to be spot on there. The part that really convinced me that he did like he got the book on a deep level is if you when you go rewatch the trailer watch for the scene with the burning palms. Oh, that was right, good. which is kind of like it's a couple throwaway like not throwaway but. It's just a couple lines in the chapter after the fall of Arakeen, right? But just about how the whole scene was lit by the oh. palms that the Harkonnens lit on fire. And we, when we were reading it, we were all like, oh, that's a really striking image. And then to see it in the trailer, I was like, oh, okay. This guy like saw this, right? He read, he paid attention. He saw the same things that we all saw. Mm -hmm. uh, I think he'll pick out the, uh, right? Obviously we knew he was going to, he'll pick out the resonant details from mm -hmm. Is there um is there any word on how long this film is going to be? Two movies to make the, yeah, two make movies the book, long. right? So two movies long to make the book. Uh, but yeah. each one we don't know yet. I feel like that's like the the bare minimum you could do yeah. to do this well. Agreed, and I'm glad that he went that route. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things I like about the miniseries is that it's like six or eight hours or something of content, mm -hmm. so it it gives you more room to oh wow like, sure. A two-hour yeah. film. I watched my Speaking way through... of content, we have oh. another beer to get through, and I just want to make sure. <laughs> yeah, speaking of the uh, of yeah. the navigators a moment ago. Speaking of content, uh, of yeah, my let's belly. let's start art on this content, and then we'll go into the beer because I do want to talk about these manatees, guys. Yeah, please tell us about the manatees. <laughs> we are looking at for for the viewers at home who are listening, for the listeners at home. We are looking at this little fish Wolf's Ridge collaboration. It says folding space. It is a beautiful, both of these are beautiful, obscura kind of aesthetics. And we've got lots of traversing lines, folding space. It is purple and black and floating in the midst are some very benevolent, we think perhaps malevolent manatees in the midst of space and time. And you wonder, and it's a very dark bottle, and you just wonder what sort of dark wormhole, where are you going to come out? Are you going to end up waking up pre-recording? We were hearing about how Josh used to sleep on the sidewalk outside of one of these <laughs> breweries. Are you going to wake up on the sidewalk outside the brewery? If you... I've slept in worse places. I, I, tra I was homeless for a year when I was traveling with Groupons, right? So 
outside of a, of a brewery in Athens was uh, was a treat. Oh, oh! Doesn't sound like a very good endorsement for Groupon. I actually need to run to the fridge and grab my bottle. Is it Please okay? Do. Uh, yeah, I take a second and then I'll tell you. I don't know. We could we could start with the beer or with the label. Uh, however, you guys want to do it. These these manatees, we need to know. Uh, I'll I'll launch into the manatees while you get that, since that's kind of yeah like, yeah yeah. Uh, anyway. So um. So dark it is. It is a yeah. dark wormhole of beer. And the the story on that one's gonna be similar to Litany Against Fear, I think, um, uh, and the style. But uh, it smells at, like uh, raspberries. It is. Summer, read the back. I'm sorry, I yeah. keep interrupting you, Chris. I'm just on this voyage of discovery as I travel through space and time. <laughs> well, maybe we need to just pause and, and enjoy the enjoy the moment yeah. for a second. Yeah, it's take, dark. Take a second. It Alec can always like raspberries. <laughs> Alec can always cut out the cut out the silence here. That's what he's here for. I, I never shut up. Cons consummate editing. <laughs> Ooh, and now it smells like now it smells like cigars. Oh. Yeah, it does have a lot of tobacco. Raspberry cigars. Raspberry cigars. Okay, I'm back. <laughs> First impressions are good. Yeah, smells amazing. Velvety, I, haven't, I haven't tried it yet. Tobacco-y. Cool. The raspberry is just in the in the in the nose alone is just intense yeah they're like my mom's raspberry sauce level yes like, yeah oh can you imagine I, I can only imagine how good this would be with that chocolate cake with the raspberry oh sauce. i want a chocolate cake this makes me want chocolate cake yeah uh Ooh. i don't know if i if i said this last time chris but i honestly think both these beers taste better than they ever have and i think wow. that's kind of a, a thing we can oh. just talk like that's awesome sour beer in general um they have like extremely long flavor arcs in the bottle and mm -hmm. they taper off one, even once they peak they taper off like very very slowly i mean it's not maybe on the level of uh you know uh some of the wines that can reach you know 20 40 50 years old and still taste good but it's pretty damn long for a beer yeah you know yeah, because this so one was long. a year later, yeah, right? So you, you did this one. You did this one almost a, almost exactly a year later. You're like a year and a month. That sounds about right. Um, Since August to September. Well, that's when we bottled it. We brewed it. Mm. I think that it must have been that same year, and it, but or it was like December or January or something like that of 2018, 2019 um, that we brewed, and then it mm -hmm. was in your in barrels at your brewery for I think a year plus before it got Nine? bottled. 19 months, 19 months in interstellar well, uh, travel in neutral wine barrels in three months yeah, on so, raspberries. Yeah, this is close to two years in the barrel. Um, yeah, January and, of 2018. Then, did you brew this one before Lightning and Sphere? I think we did. Oh, so this was the first so one that you right, brewed. We, we brewed this before and released it after, I believe. Yeah. I guess that would oh, make sense. Um, it's seen some shit. What's the, what's the, like, how long does it take to brew the uh, Lichteniner? So that one, we I think we at one point thought we were going to release it in time for Ohio Beer Week in Athens. Actually, we, we, we did. did it was ready in time. So we brewed it in like March or or some or mm. April, and Beer Week is in uh, August, I think. Yeah, this right? came out. Yeah, it's like late July. 
late July or early August, something like that. So um, it was really only in the barrel for about three months. And uh, that's a pretty short um, time, even for uh, our beer. I think our yeah. sour beers average a year to a year and a half old in the barrel. Really? Um, back out, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we designed it to, to be fully done fermenting. And there's, there's different bacteria that um, can cause fermentation to take longer and throw off weird off flavors um, that take a long time to clean up. And the way this yeast and bacteria work, it, it cleans up those off flavors over time in the barrel. That's partly why you want to give it a lot of time sometimes. It's not the whole reason. Um, because again, that you're developing flavor that whole time. But uh, you know, we were careful to use only cultures that uh, would would be fully fermented and dried out and not tasting weird um, in a short period of time. And I remember we, oh man, what's the name of the bar? Uh, we sent some kegs of this of the Lichtenheimer to a bar down in Athens that clearly, when we got down there, had never uh, really sold craft beer before. If not, maybe oh, maybe so curious. And so we walked in and there's there's this like a five college kids like drinking like cans of Bud Light or whatever it was, and and then this beer's on tap, and my wife and I were looking around like, is this the right place? Like Poppers or something? I don't want to name drop. Yes, that is a bar. Yes. Which I one? I think it was Poppers. Poppers, because they're they're Poppers. like Wildcat. Yeah, I don't been, there, there's there's a few bars that are based on the same aesthetic that um they're just they're college kid bars. They're not. There's nothing wrong with that, but they're not normally craft bars. Dart bars, dart yeah. boards. I, I think we, we sold them six ha six barrels of the, the beer and we bought back five of them because it just <laughs> was not a beer for that bar to be selling. So, which was yeah. fine. We, we, we bought it back and we sold it at our tap room and everyone was happy. So, I didn't really drink anywhere other than than uh, the, uh, the brewery down there uh, when I was living there. But I did wander into some of those bars specifically during brew week because they would have things like a, a yeah. cask of pb and j stout or something then you're like what and you go in there like i've never been in this place and i know why but i'm here now and they've got some good stuff yeah. <laughs> but they had they'll, they'll have and it's really cool that um during brew week they're supportive of craft brewers but um you know most of them don't uh, even if even if the brewery did a good job of telling someone there about what they're selling that may not have been passed down to the bartenders that are actually talking to you at that moment. And sure, you know, friendly people. And I don't want to like, I don't want to, like, you know, crap on them for their involvement. Sure. Hey, cool, we but... all love a shot in a beer joint for what it is. We don't need it to be the like put, shave a truffle on top of my gin martini. Mm -hmm. yeah, sometimes you want a pickleback, you know I mean? right? Yeah. Right. Sometimes you want pickleback. <laughs> sometimes you want to fold space. So the manatees, we have avoided talking yeah. about these blissful, benevolent, yeah. perhaps baleful, manatees what's what's uh what's this what's the tale the the story uh, goes give you a quick backup on what yeah. the beer is and oh, then, yeah. we'll, uh, then we'll talk sure. about the label um perfect uh, sure um so um so so the beer i think we just originally were like um talking about i knew i know um chris and i were originally just talking about wanting to do some sour beers together um, and I was just like, well, Chris, what do you want to do? And he's like, well, I've never done a, a dark sour or a black sour. And I was like, okay, well, let's, let's work on something in that realm. So we kind of did this open-ended, um, dark sour recipe, um, without, um, entirely being sure 
what direction we wanted to take it in, but just sort of brew the base beer, age it in wine barrels with our mixed cultures and um, kind of get a gauge on what it tasted like afterwards, possibly add some fruit, possibly not, you know. Um, and um, so, so that was like the, the, basically that was the framework of the original beer. And then we brewed this. I remember it was a while ago. I mean, Wolfgang was still brewing with us. Remember that, Chris? And then yeah. can I tell him the funny story from that day? Uh, about my Remember pants? That? What? <laughs> <laughs> you, know you put it on social media, so go ahead. No, uh, did I? I don't remember that. You can but see it. it if you know, it, you know, you'd never really notice it unless you knew it was there, but you can see it in the photo. <laughs> you ripped your still suit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he split his khakis um, that day. And if you look closer at the picture, yeah, you can see it in the gaping hole in the front. Um, That's funny. Maker of but, uh, Oh, yeah, sorry. I got a little off track. So, yeah, the so worm, the wormhole. Chris and I talked through the beer as it was aging. We decided to add raspberries. Um, and I think it came out really well. Um, and then, you know, we wanted to stick with the Dune theme. Oh, mom, light. No, it's me. My mom's here. I think I can it. I'm on a Zoom call. No one, no one else saw that. If you, Alec, you can cut that out. Then no one hey, will even know that it's on the light. You're, you're more powerful, mom, taking control of the situation. It's very Dune relevant. Very Dune. So. <laughs> very Dune. That's true. Use the voice. <laughs> um, okay, so where were we? <laughs> so flustered. You now. added some raspberries. And then, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's not like a direct. Keep it with the Dune theme. Keep it with the there's Dune not theme. like a direct, um, you know, ingredient based or like recipe based relationship mm -hmm. with Dune. It was really more about that. It was that talk that Chris and I had after brewing, and it was like all the guys from Wolf's Ridge that, that came out. Chris, you remember we went to uh, we went to Seven Sun after we brewed Litany, which wasn't named yet, and we were all talking around the table, and somebody mentioned Fear is the Mind Killer. I think that was you. And then we kind of all realized that, like, you know, out of, like, five or six people there, like, uh, at least four of us were pretty into Dune at the time. Nice. And I don't think any of us knew that until that got blurted oh, out. Nice. Oh, nice. Oh. We talked about it prior. We didn't know we were, yeah. Yeah, so I thought that was, I thought that was really cool. And then we were like, well, let's just do both the collabs and, you know, with, with Dune themes. Um, so good. And then... Sorry, uh, Lillian, were you going to say something? I was going to ask if you're, if, if this was a major revelation, like, are you nerdy, dweeby in other aspects of your life? Like, is, are you otherwise normcore people who you're like sitting around having charcuterie trays being like, wait, you're a, Lily, you're a deep dune dweeb? Lily, I, I bring some of Sean's beers to our D&D games because he has beers like, uh, like what is it, Natural 20? And Natural 20. That's oh, it's great. And there's one. There's one with an axe, right? Um, oh, axe in the name that I brought. Beer I'm pretty sure. Axe. Uh, did you have one? Else? Okay, so Sean, Sean is a deep dweeb. She, Sean yeah. is deep in the in the dweeb seat. Chris, do you wear your dweeb on your seat? For all of us are multidimensional. All of us are space folders. 
Uh, well, sometimes the, people are surprised yeah. to learn that I'm like a big sci-fi fantasy dork because I, I, it's like I'm not a role player. I don't do those things. But like, uh, I mean, here we are. Here we are together. So, Chris, was it a revelation to other people that they're like, was it more like, oh, I didn't, I knew you were a dweeb. I just didn't know you were a dune dweeb. Or they were like, wait, what? <laughs> No, I, th- I think it's the former um, okay. me and, and another guy at work are um, fairly regularly uh, being like weird and quoting Lord of the Rings. Um, uh, on the beer side, um, we've got a whole series of kettle sours, which is kind of like the really quick turning two week long um, output sour beer versus this years long barrel aged project kind of thing that Sean and I are talking about today. And all of our kettle sour series of beers are uh, references to Final Fantasy VII. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. And then, in, yeah, personal life. You know, I'm I'm a huge fan of uh, sci-fi. Some of my favorite movies are Alien and Predator. I keep wanting to make uh, an official labeled a- uh, alien-themed beer. Every year at Woolsridge, we do Alien Day, so that'll be four two six. So April twenty sixth, we we put out like seven alien-themed drafts. We haven't bottled one yet, but I, I want to make that a goal next year. Um, and then I, recently I've been lamenting that uh, uh, my first year in college, I totaled my car needed to get a new car and my parents refused to lend me the money and I was really pissed and they got pissed that I got pissed about it and told me to get a job and I needed a car like right away. So um, I wasn't going to get that from a job right away. So I sold the only asset that I, I had that was liquid and, and valuable, which was um, magic cards um so magic the gathering and so what i sold at the time at a loss for about eight hundred dollars is worth about seventy thousand dollars today so um, when i found that out i was sick to my stomach for about a week yeah but i um i still play infrequently but when i was younger i played like daily so i'm I'm a dude (laughs) okay so you're not allowed in the ch because you don't like david lynch's i'm i'm the keeper of the ch as the reverend mother Speaks for all of us on this. But. No, I, I'm the river mother. <laughs> but um, you're allowed in our dweeb verse. That's amazing. You all have deep dweeb cred. Incredible. Okay, you well, are you are man. conspicuously avoiding the question of the manatees. <laughs> yeah, what's okay, up with the manatees, man? Talk about the label. <laughs> uh, okay. What, what did David Lynch think about his own movie? I heard oh, he know. hated it. Yeah, he it thought was it was a great shame. It was a great shame. Which makes yeah. me just love it even more. It's so, I mean. It has good things, it does. Here, I, 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 we, we got two cats like, uh, I don't know, about five, four or five months ago and they're brother and sister. And um, the, the girl, her name is Aria. She, she loves just like following me around. Like I'll come out of my room and she'll just follow me around. And sometimes she'll just be waiting for me at the bottom of the stairs. Every time I walk by her, she just like turns her head and looks at me. All I can hear is, wait for my brother, Baron. Like, <laughs> and there's <laughs> such good buggy moments. There's stuff like that. Like you just can't. Yeah. For sure. I hear it every here's day. My, here's what I will offer is that the mashup that I am waiting to see is Kyle McLaughlin based. And it is the Showgirls Dune mashup because i think despite being loathed by their makers like they are cult classics they are revered for being terribly wonderful in every way and they both have kyle mclaughlin in common so i think of i i love both movies unironically (laughs) 
And it's hard to say that you love showgirls unironically, but I do because I grew up in rural Midwestern life and I would see it on VH1 with the CGI bad um, bikini tops over the tatas. And I honestly thought that it was fancy life. I was like, man, <laughs> Las Vegas is the fanciest life. place. It's so fancy. You can get a pool with some dolphins and you could, you could get a Versace dress. Like you could live that life. I never made it as a showgirl. Here we are, but I can still dream of my Dune fantasies. <laughs> It's because you weren't willing to like trip someone down the stairs to get their uh, their headdress. If you're wondering how I made it this far in life, it is through showgirl style ambition <laughs> and violence. And, yeah, just sheer violence the, from from my weirding ways. All right, wait, stop. Okay. Manatees. I, I know. <laughs> I know. Um, Chris, you manatees? caught her up on the manatee. I, been, I feel like we've got so much buildup now. I'm like, what's going oh, yeah. on? Um, all right, I'll, I'll, try to, I'll try to make a long story short. Um, the, the sour barrels that we keep, we, we started with like five and it was kind of just this like, let's experiment and learn how to make sour beer. And um, four or five years later, we now have over a hundred uh, sour barrels um, in this little corner of our basement. And that's all that we do over there. We try to keep those barrels and cultures and everything away from our other tanks and beer because cross-contamination is a real concern. Um, and you don't want those the cultures getting into your normal beer. Mm. Um, Can I tell a fantastic cross-contamination story real quick? <laughs> we are learning ago, about the manatees, Alex. I know. I'm, I'm part of the conspiracy. <laughs> it's a dude conspiracy. <laughs> yeah. A few years ago, uh, Josh was living in the suburbs of Chicago. And he, we were talking one day, and he was like, you know, we have the weirdest thing. Our jelly keeps going bad. Like, the jam we keep in our fridge keeps going bad. And I was like, Oh, it's because you have a million sour beers in there. Your fridge just has this incredibly vibrant uh, microbiome going on. Were you fermenting beers in there? Or you have bottles in there. He had half, right? He, I think he would put a lot of like open bottles in there. I wouldn't probably yeah, put open, open bottles in there, but maybe, maybe occasionally an open bottle might end up in there. Um, it's also possible a beer exploded like, in there one time. You know, like it's a just plate of raw chicken above it, or <laughs> no. Well, you had a lot of like you'd put Cantillon in, right? A lot of open air places you you'd get beer from. Yeah, I mean, I bet the I surface not of those is have not clean. Drank bottle of Cantillon back in the fridge and forget about it. What is no, it? No, I never forgot about one of those. No, you cannot distract me anymore. Okay. Man, true. I do. I forgot. I forgot about that. Point. Okay, let's talk about the label. So, so Chris was telling you about his basement, which they call the mangrove. Yes. Um, did a <laughs> beautiful mural of a, of a manatee or multiple manatees, right, Chris? Oh, because of the mangrove in it's the lovely. basement. Yeah, it's just one. So we, the the tank we blend our barrels into is it's called a horizontal fermenter. So it's like long and fat. It's not tall and conical the way a, the average brewery tank is that you would see if you go to a brewery. And so when it arrived, one of my brewers said, "Hey, I didn't realize this tank would look like a fat manatee." So we called it Manatee One. Um, <laughs> we have a few other ones now. So those are Manatee Two and Three or whatever. Um, and so we started calling the sour area of the brewery the mangrove, where the manatees kind of live. Uh, and then my wife did um, this mural. Sorry. Oh, man. Oh, I see oh, it. Oh, I yeah. It. Oh, that's oh, that's adorable. Well, it is a really gorgeous, like, really. I've seen that. 
gorgeous painting. It's very verisimilitudinous. She's an art teacher, so yeah, that's what she does. And and then slowly after that, that mural showed up. We we decided to give our sour beers their own identity. Um, and so all of our sour labels, I don't think it's on the, the actually it is. Um, look it is. The, the it is. It's on the back it's there. On the side where the, the Little Fish logo is, there's also, yep. correct? So that's representing our sour side of the brewery because of the mangrove. And then um, oh. some of our other labels actually have manatees incorporated into the artwork. So there's like a manatee driving a stagecoach on one. There's like a, a, a swarm of, um, of manatee bees on a label that we've done um, and just little gags like that. So we keep it going. And so I think that's how it wound up on that label. I didn't even know Sean was doing that until he showed me the, the art. And it was oh, it's on. great. And yeah, so are they explicitly so, third stage navigators in this context? Hey. I mean, yes. that's the next that's stage what of I was human, right? trying to lead up to. So basically ah, I think beautiful. I decided the name of the beer and I was like, do you mind if I just like take a stab at this label and show you? Um, Cause I kind of wanted to <laughs> prize for him too. so good um so yeah so it's it's supposed to be the i mean you know five people in the world and they're all in this zoom call right now are <laughs> but, um, you know it's a it, yeah it is supposed to be them and their resemblance to in the david lynch film right. what the navigators look like yeah Say what you will. As we've explored in this podcast, there are many flaws to the David Lynch film, but I love the aesthetic of those navigators. I, I sure. love the guy that comes out on the old timey microphone almost, and is like, <laughs> "Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Navigator Show." Yeah. Who drink minimum? <laughs> these these manatees are a little less vulgar looking from the front, I would say. Oh, they're so good. Yeah. Uh, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, I I would love to circle back and talk about like how I got introduced to Dune because I was thinking about please, that. Please, yes, please. Um, you know, leading up to all this, um, and it's easy. It's my dad. Um, because, we have a lot of stories like that. Yes, please tell us. Yeah. So, um, so my dad. I remember the first thing I remember about Dune was the cover art of um, of. Uh, God Emperor of Dune, you know, mm. where, where mm -hmm. Lido's like half sandworm. Right, yeah, with the iconic, yeah. like really long, yeah, elongated. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think you might have some tiny, like, flipper arms or something. Uh -huh. Right, um, and it's sort of like the the Egyptian sarcophagus almost looking face. Yeah, like a yes. Yeah, I know the piece yeah. you're talking about. Yeah. Yep. So I was just like intrigued by that. You know, like, Dad, what is that? And he started telling me, "Well, this 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 story, you know, this guy." And I, he he either didn't have it quite right, or I just don't remember it right. But like, he told me it was because he ate so much spice, he started looking like that, uh, which isn't quite right. Right, um, which isn't quite right. But yeah, but that's I was like, whoa. Uh, then he he also had this this friend of his, um, Carl, and they would just like geek out on like David Lynch films. So I saw like snippets of like Twin Peaks and Eraserhead when I was probably like less than 10 years old. <laughs> oh and my Dune God. Also. Nope. Dune also. So, so sorry, I don't buddy. know when I first saw the movie, but it was, it was all through my dad. I mean, he read all the, he read all the books, you know? Um, and then, uh, you know, I, I think I 
must watch the movie at least I don't know ten times growing up, and then. So he's a dweeb. He's a little frozen right now. Yeah, Thanks to Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you get away with thought. watching. Yeah, I don't think you get away with watching the David Lynch movie. Like it forms your view of. I, I think here's what I think David Lynch does well since Sean can't speak for himself and I get to step in. <laughs> it does a good job. He does a good job, not with Dune per se. Oh, Sean's back. John, I'm still going to say this. Of with, um, I think if, of showing the potential of the imaginative capacity of science fiction, right? Of like, we can take this premise and go crazy directions with it and create entirely new universes that we can explore. That's what I will say for David Lynch. So, Sean, you were frozen, and I, I took mm-hmm. the prerogative. Oh, no, I, uh, I was done, actually, but then everything froze up, and I missed a few <laughs> seconds. Well, I used my Benny Gesserit powers to be like, I'm going to defend David Lynch. We're good. <laughs> Terrible, great movie. Um, yeah, so well, when did yeah. you... What were you saying, Lily? Sorry. Five people is really fun on Zoom. I wanted to say that other guests that we've had on have been like, I learned from Dune fighting it when I was on active duty in Iraq and it was in the army base. And I was like, damn, that is some serious Dune cred. But like, it's really interesting how many folks come to it through, especially fathers. It's, I feel like I hear lots of stories of like, oh, my dad read Dune. Because it would have come out during, for those of us who are of age as i said in previous episodes regular age yeah, normally yeah regular, regular age, age. I, I didn't call you out for that at all <laughs> like that would have been of their generation right like it would have been what is it late 60s right it would have been a, so i'm like what is the equivalent of a sci-fi or fantasy book that came out during our formative years of our 20s of those of us who are of this regular age that you think <laughs> that you will pass on to mm. next generations. Hmm. Yeah, that's just, I feel oh. like a lot of people are going to pass on Wheel of Time, actually. Yeah. But or, you haven't uh, read it! Or Dark Materials. A lot of people like want to make uh, their kids read Dark Materials. But anyway, sorry. Guess. But that's YA. Okay. Yes, guess. What of, so what is the Dune that you will pass on to your progeny? Well, um, I don't know if this is the dune but um i i really love reading science fiction that is um like like uh you know pre-internet pre-social media pre-cell phones oh okay imagining what their view of the future is where it's like could be really high tech but like no one knew social media was going to be like a thing right yeah. So I just reread through um, the William Gibson books, like Neuromancer, mm-hmm. um, uh, Count Zero, oh. Mona Lisa Overdrive. They're so good. They're so freaking good. Um, so I, you know, I don't know if that's that might not be an easy one to pass on to the kiddos until a certain point, but um, God, I neither just, is Dune. So Dune. I think it's probably perfect, right? Yeah. You guys talk about, um, or sorry, Chris, what about you? Um, I don't know. I feel like, um, like my, my gut reaction is, um, like something that I can at least kind of compare that Dune's got this, this, uh, 
this text, but also film that's different, but 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 similar. Um, like my gut reaction was Jurassic Park. Like it, like so much of my life has been shaped by that. Granted, I was younger than my twenties when that came out, but the books are are so amazing and better than the movie. But the movie is still great, and um, oh. that's something that like anyone would love to be exposed to. But it's like also like super like commercial and whatever. So. Josh and I was Alex waiting both for my turn. Huge reactions. <laughs> I was waiting for my turn that. to say that. Like that was. Uh, I was like, yeah. that is my. That was. I was like, I, the Dune I want to pass down to my kid is Dune and Jurassic Park. Like that's <laughs> fascinating. I yeah. haven't thought about Jurassic Park in years. I don't know that I've read the book. It's really good. I think. Yeah, I think for my like until I think I read Jurassic Park before Dune, and that was I think my first like favorite book that wasn't like too young maybe i feel like that was like the first like real yeah like Here's what my first is a, a really adult book I, I remember reading it in fourth grade which is probably too young to read that book because it's actually extremely violent like way more violent than the movie um, hey there's some hard murder <laughs> yeah i remember <laughs> like reading that book in class in like homeroom and the teacher and i was always like front of the class like straight a student when i was that age but I remember the teacher yelling at me and like it, I'd look up and everyone was staring at me because I would be reading my book while everyone was running around waiting for the bell to ring. And I was so engrossed, like class had started. And then I didn't even know class had started until she stopped and called on me and then recalled on me. And so like, I realized that like the room was silent and they were looking at me and it was that <laughs> book that was like, I was that engrossed in. Oh, I, I love yeah. that story. That in, that in Game, of, Game of Thrones though, that I didn't read that till, you know, much more recent than Jurassic Park when I was, you know, a kid. Well, that's when you maybe wait on the past. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it's done, right? <laughs> oh, well, I was also meaning, you know, with the incest. Oh, yeah, that he can read that after <laughs> Dune and uh, Jurassic Park, right? <laughs> Here's what I'll offer, and just to sort of close us out on why Dune is great, why we should dedicate unbelievably delicious beers. Y'all, these beers are they're really good. Killing Outstanding. stuff. St- interstellar to go with the theme. <laughs> Manatees and all. We've learned so many wonderful details. Here's what I think I really have come to deepen my appreciation of about Dune is that it really effectively uh, walks the line between fantasy and science fiction. So as someone who loves both genres and speculative fiction, if we want to be bougie about it equally, is that my one of my theories about Paul is that he doesn't actually have magical superpowers. He's just a hyper rational person who takes inputs really well and, and speculates, although the other dweebs disagree with me. But I think that Dune does a good job of navigating that line of like, there may be sciences that we discover in the future that what's the, what's that great quote that's like, if you go a hundred years in the future, what is science then looks like magic now? You know what I'm saying? Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Any sufficiently right. advanced science is indistinguishable from magic. There you go. This is why we have Alec around because he keeps it prescient. Y'all know that guy. Y'all know that guy with a quote. So here's what Dune does. It like it is a really elaborate, fully realized universe that has whole like houses and political structures and economic structures and social structures around the Benny Gesserit and the Mentats, and they have really well considered um tensions and uh mythologies in and amongst them 
and, and that's what I find so well about it. And so like Jurassic Park for me, not to say Jurassic Park is right, it is super great. It is really good science fiction. It takes, it takes a scientific premise to a really well-reasoned future. And just to say why Dune is extra great is that it also weaves in some of these like more speculative, like what else could things happen in the future? Which is why it's well, it's world. It's world building. It's you know, it's oh, universe world building. building. You know, that was I think. Um, I'm sure you guys have talked about this a lot, um, but it was. I think that was what was really revolutionary was about it was that he just thought about every aspect of the culture and the history and the different sects and yeah. I mean, it, that that was the first sci-fi that I read that really just created this whole other place you could go to just truly and i think that's where you could sort of um it's there's like a tolkien analog right because i mean Mm. you know tolkien for his time did that for fantasy i think you know creating languages for elves that's that's pretty that's getting in pretty deep you know for Um, sure I think I probably would have tried to learn Elvish had I been around in like that time when people were learning Elvish. Although I never learned Klingon, so. Yeah, wait, we went to college with people who learned Elvish, Lily. So <laughs> we know, were friends with them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, my dweebs, have you had a chance to consider yes, let's go back. who you are in our Dune system? Oh, yeah, and then I think there's probably a pretty good wrap up. Well, I've got I've got a couple a couple quick no quick hits. no more one more, more things. yes one more thing absolutely one more it's actually a few more things but it's gonna okay, be quick well, quick hits. now now Chris and Sean know that we're gonna close out with asking them who they are in our Dune universe and then you get one teeny tiny one more thing Josh uh mm-hmm. teeny tiny I'm gonna I'm gonna tease the next episode too in it so it's relevant it's it's all good we're waiting okay Chris you go for a Syria. You're still Stilgar or you, you, go, you come up with something else? Oh, yeah, you're Stilgar. That's right. So yeah, who am I? Well, yeah, I, I feel pretty confident in Stilgar, um, but that's partially because I have the foreknowledge that um, in order to uh, succeed me, Sean has to kill me. So he, <laughs> he really want Eve. <laughs> Paul hyphen Mahdib. Sean, so... does that make you our Pauly Muadibi? No, I don't want to be Paul. <laughs> I think Paul and Wadi no, are two different people, though. They're not are two different people with different characters. I don't know which is worse. <laughs> yeah, Wadi was a real dick. Can we just? He is a dick. Yeah, yeah half the half the Arulin book quotes are just like <clears throat> Paul talking about why it sucks to live in his empire. Yep. <laughs> True. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what happened to that boy? I don't know. Uh, but um, you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I want to be this person, uh, especially because I don't. I definitely don't like identify as a female. But I think Chani is a great character, um, and I can't even exactly say why I think that. But um, she is just beautiful. Uh, like the the depths. It's like some of the things that you know. They say less and they leave her more of like a mystery. Um, but she's obviously like a badass. Legit. And, legit pick. Um, yeah, I, I really, really like Chani. So I don't know who paid Sean off to say Chani, but thank you. <laughs> that made my Grinchy heart grow ten sizes. 
Shadi is super great. She has she has a nature of care about her, yet she is fierce, right? I am less and less, and I have argued before that she is the manic pixie dream girl of Dune. I am less and less in mind of it the further we get into the book. Josh, we don't have time for one more thing. We, we do, to- we do. One of these is Alex, and I'll read it if he wants me to, but he he, he may have just forgotten about uh, a real a real good question that he put on here, on his uh, list of questions. Ask away. All right. So how much folding space do we have to drink before we actually become third stage navigators ourselves? <laughs> Well, that's good. Uh, no, it's 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 not folding space. It's gonna be uh, a beer that we haven't brewed yet. Um, forgive my pronunciation. I was thinking about maybe calling it uh, Chakobsa Way or Chakobsa Way. Oh, yeah. very uh-huh. nice. More literal, How are you more literal interpret interpretation of like what a Fremen spice beer or liquor? So some cinnamon. Like. You're gonna do some cinnamon there, huh? Yeah, yeah. And, and, I was wondering, you know, on the whole cinnamon thing. Like, aren't you a little bit frustrated that he never yes! uses other adjective other than cinnamon? He's like, <laughs> yes. it never it's come up several same. times. It never tastes the same twice. It smells like cinnamon. <laughs> <laughs> well, it tastes a little different, but it still it's smells not, like cinnamon. Yeah. <laughs> the nose doesn't quite have the the way to distinguish. Okay. So, uh, oh, Sean, you make such an excellent point, right? He's like the great. he's like the young college student at Starbucks. It's like, let me get my half pump sweet PSL. You know, he, that's like Paul. That's Frank Herbert ordering his spice beer. He's like he has no flavor profile, great imaginative capacity, zero palate. He can imagine all these incredible worlds, and he's like, what's an exact the most otherworldly spice? So cool, indescribable. Smells like cinnamon. It's like, that's all he's got. That's all he's got. So we already had you choose between Lynch and the sci-fi series, right? So we're just going to do a rapid fire, just like, you pick, pick a side. Pick a side here on these. You just blurt them out, same time, you two. Okay, wait. Baron? The Baron? I've never seen the sci-fi show, so. That's, that's all right. The Baron. Characters, the characters book. These are all the book. book. These are, yeah, characters these are all the characters. These are things in the book. The Baron or Duke? Duke Leto. Take a side. Chris is Duke. 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 Duke? Oh, Duke Dukes. We got Duke Duke. Okay. Dukes. We got, uh, Shocking. We got Jessica or through for Howitt. <gasps> Jessica. Dufer. <laughs> okay. Ooh. I like Dun- the split decision. Duncan or Gurney. Gurney. <laughs> That's a draw for me. Oh, oh. A, draw. a draw. Okay, and this is the one that teases the next episode because Jessica herself has a has a a real a real opinion on this one. Worms or thopters? Worms. <laughs> Worms. Yeah, Jessica does not <laughs> yes! agree. Jessica, Jessica does not agree, and we'll 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 hit that in the next episode. And Josh does not agree. Josh is Josh is yeah, full I, of mainly, I mainly put it there because I wanted somebody to fight Josh over thopters, but <laughs> so I mean, I love I love me some worms, but um, Where she takes her first worm ride. This isn't her first worm ride, but she's in the the, the chapter we're going to discuss in the next episode. Um, she is not happy that Paul will not let yeah. her ride a thopter. She has like a daydream about like, oh man, what if one day I didn't have to ride a fucking sand whale anymore? (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, thank you both so much for awesome. joining us. Thank you for sending us this amazing beer for chatting with us. Yeah, yes, the beer was scoop. fantastic. This was really a great talk. Sorry, I'll super fun. Up. And if uh, if either of you ever want to come back and chat with us about uh, about book two, I think we've got another year now before the movie, so we'd love to <laughs> we'd love to chat with you again. If another beer's coming out, we would love to uh, to talk about it. Sounds, Sounds awesome. Like yeah. All right. Well, thanks uh, for having us, guys. Thank thank you both. It was a blast. Later, Say nerds. The words. <laughs> Later, nerds. Later, nerds. <laughs> <laughs>